guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. <laughs> and I'm Jake. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> What's going on, guys? What's I up, actually, Drivers Club? I didn't even mean to say your name, but that's just ingrained <laughs> in my brain. What's up, Drivers Club? This exclusive episode is just for you. Yes, it and is. And I heard through a little birdie grapevine type thing. What's that? Well, you hear it through the grapevine or a little birdie tells you. Right. That you were going to do an episode on Birkenstocks. I was going to. And I'm I so glad I actually, that you didn't. like started researching it heavily. I yeah. really got into it. And then I was like, there's not enough here to make it good enough to be worth basically putting everybody in and yeah, making exactly. everybody suffer. Yeah. <laughs> Having everybody delete their their membership. Yeah. Yes. So what are we what's going on? What's what are we Before what are we talking about? Before I get about? into it, I do want to just give a huge shout out and thank you to yeah, all of our guys. Drivers Club members. Yeah, we what we're trying to do is like you've heard on the main episode is we're trying to, we got to get some artwork done and then we're going to get you guys some more cool stuff. Yeah. I really want to reward you guys, send out some stuff to you guys. We sent out the posters. Um, I would like to do some t-shirt stuff, some stickers, stuff, stickers for know, sure. You maybe some more posters, depending on what we do. It, it, it's great. You guys really, I mean, thank you. It's, it's awesome. I don't know how else to say it. you guys. And I love talking to you guys on Instagram and everything else. It's, it's been great. I thought, you know, I've thought about just making it where the only listeners I talk to is you guys. It's just, I don't know how I would filter it out. How would you manage that? I don't know. It'd only have to be through Patreon, which, I mean, for that matter, be sure to go on Patreon and post away and ask us questions. I get a notification right away when someone posts and we can, we can have a chat on the episode, stuff like that, just where we can get together and be honest with each other and, and, uh, and have great conversations. So we're open to that as well. Also, there is a voicemail. There's a voicemail if you want to call us and oh, leave us I a message. Oh, I thought you were telling me there's someone left a voicemail no, that no, we need not. to check. No, we used to get a lot of voicemails, but I haven't mentioned it in a long time. Yeah. But if you go to the Patreon page on the pin post. A, a phone number there. You guys can give us a call. Yes. Leave us a message. There is a voicemail there. You can leave us. Right now, we just get messages from like a plumbing service. Wait, what? That's, yeah. All our <laughs> voicemails are from this chick at this plumbing service. It's just like, hey, just want to let you know if you need any plumbing stuff, give us a call. I'm like, no, no, that's good. <laughs> that's that's good. really funny. Yeah, I just want to come over here and lay pipe, I guess. I'm not really sure what's going on. All right, what do uh, we got? What's going on? All right, so this is a history episode, a okay. deep dive that is exclusive for our patrons, obviously. So what is this, Chris? What? Jesus, my... I just threw something at him. My, my hands were basically in my pockets and you chucked something at me. This is a, uh looks like... What do you want me to read it? it says well, it's a it's a what are it's you holding? A, it is a pen. Yes, it is a pen. It says <laughs> U.S. Was, government that on was it. The whole question. Yeah, here. <laughs> the ah, Where'd it go? <laughs> it bounced off your microphone and hit me. <laughs> I threw the pen back at him and ricochet. Ricochet. See, yes. So it go. is a pen that says U.S. government on it. Right now, you've actually probably used these pens before without ever realizing it. They are used by just about every single U.S. government agency. They can be found at the post office and the DMV office around. the the country and they have a really cool story. Okay. So let me introduce you to the official pen of the United States government and armed forces, the skill craft. So is this just as good as the SR 71? Probably not, <laughs> <laughs> but there are some cool stories to okay, go let's, along let's with it. it so the story of this pen started back in 1967. And as you can imagine, the U S government likes to buy things in yeah, well, I mean, you save money that way. They are, after right? all, a pretty yeah. big organization. I tried well. to get a bulk discount on it. I bought a bunch of trees for my house. Yeah. And they wouldn't do it. They would not well, do it. Well, what's bulk for you? 12. Yeah. 12 trees, Jake? I don't know. How many trees does people normally buy? Do people normally buy? 
I don't know. Probably less than 12. I tr- they would not give me a bulk discount. What about a baker's dozen? Did you at least ask That's for the baker's dozen? 13? Were yeah, they giving me an like extra give me one? a bonus. No, nope, no bonus. Oh, they didn't anyways. care. So government likes to buy in bulk, and the government put in an order for 13 million ballpoint pens from an undisclosed supplier for an undisclosed amount. The problem was, once the pens were produced and distributed to all the different government agencies, they were found to be defective. Oh, no. <laughs> How do you have a pen be defective? What was well, wrong with these you pens? you see, it turns out the one thing a pen should do is, is write. write. Yeah. And it didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> so 13 Ooh, I, million I, I lost the sound where it says, that's bad. Ooh, Ooh, that's, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. So with the old adage in mind of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, the U.S. government left nothing to chance. With our tax dollars hard at work, Chris, a 16-page ream of exacting requirements were laid out for what would become the official pen of the United States government. Imagine what this pen has written. Yes. I mean, it's not like the the ostentatious pens that the president signed stuff with uh, in no. the Oval Office. Where it's, oh, it was a big pen. But I'm but, guessing just like well, there was a military joke. reports yep. and stuff and like that. There was a joke I read that this is the most deadly device in the U.S. government arsenal. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that, uh, well, Obama has a pen and a phone. You know, we heard him say that. He can get anything done he wants. He's got a pen and a phone. That's all you need. You know? No, I didn't hear that. No, he's like, when someone was like, if he, he's basically like, if you guys don't get this done, I've got a pen and a phone. I'll get it done. So it's just, I mean, it's probably this pen. This it is the pen. Very well could have yeah. been. So I'm going to read you just a handful of the requirements outlined in this massive document. Okay. The pen barrel has to withstand temperatures ex- as, as extreme as those seen in the North Pole winter and a Death Valley summer, as well as the ink itself. So from <laughs> negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit to 160 degrees. Okay, so it's got to survive <laughs> the harshest areas of the planet. Right. The pen has to write for at least one nautical mile, which translates, and they tested 5,000 feet of paper before the ink cartridge needs to be refilled. So 5,000 feet of paper, what do you mean by that? What is that we, pen, yeah. start writing and walk so 5,000 feet. You're drawing a line. You're drawing a line 5,000 okay. feet. So a 5,000 foot line. Yes. Okay, so that's, it will last quite a while. Yes. Quote, it was an achievement to actually have your pen run out of ink before you lost it, said Stephen Gray, <laughs> a retired Navy <laughs> lieutenant commander who served at sea on five vessels. Quote, that was something everybody noticed. Hey, I actually burned through a skill craft this morning. Wow. So are you going to try it? No. I'm going to try it. I'm going <laughs> to try, try it. I'm going to try it. Take I'm, one of those. I'm taking this pen right, right here. And I'm going to yep. use it until I lose it like five seconds later. I can't, <laughs> I can't not lose it. I don't even know. You where, don't know where your wallet is, for um, God's sake. I thought sake. maybe my wallet has been gone for a week. I thought maybe it was here. Yeah. It's at not the studio. Here, which means now I have no recourse. Now it's I actually don't. lost. Now it's actually gone. <laughs> it's it's got to be somewhere. Yeah. Right uh, next to my Skillcraft pen. <laughs> well, that I can see, so it's not. <laughs> uh, another standard is the ink had to dry within five seconds of being written and be guaranteed not to smear or blot. It also needed to be when printed on paper, the ink had to withstand being submerged underwater for 48 hours as well as within two, withstand two doses of chemical bleach and gasoline. Wow. So okay. you can write on that, it'll withstand gasoline, bleach. two doses of bleach, and underwater. But not three. But like, not three I, doses I guess, of bleach. I, mean, I mean, it probably doing... will, but 
They just for that, that was the testing for the, for the bleach procedure. attack of 2023 that we're in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have helped for COVID, right? The yeah, bleach suppose, attack. Yeah, you could tan, you could sanitize your words. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Many of these specifications stem. Oh, that's right. Wasn't there like a thing where if you drink bleach, you won't get sick from the coronavirus? Wasn't that a thing for a well, while? Yeah, because you'll be dead. Yeah, well, there was like <laughs> there was like a thing where I think it was this thing that Trump said where it's like, yeah, well, bleach kills the coronavirus, but then everybody was like, ah, oh, Trump wants everybody to drink bleach. <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, you guys. Well, okay, well, this is the generation that did the Tide Pod challenge, so don't put it past That's us. True. That's true. Uh, many of the specifications for the skilled craft stemmed from their planned use in the military. For example, the pen's unusual slight size. It is, after all, a rather small pen at exactly five and well, one-eighth inches long. It's perfectly Jake-proportioned. It's a Jake-proportioned pen, for sure. I'm, I mean, I guess I can do dirty jokes on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I'm not going to go there. I, I, hey, I'll have you know that I am disproportionately well-equipped. Okay, that's why you need this pen to just measure or what? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the small size meant they were small enough to fit completely into the pockets of most military uniforms without the metal clip sticking out and potentially reflecting the sun, which could expose the soldier's position to the uh -huh. enemy. How many people were involved in this designing of this pen? It had to be a ton. There's like a pen committee. Oh, 100% There's, there was a pen committee. I wonder if they all belong to the Pen 15 Club. <laughs> <laughs> you ever, you know, so that he was always, hey, do you, want, do you remember doing that to oh, people? Yeah. Did you ever... Uh, ask people if you wanted to draw like hey I, can i draw my my future house on your hand i just want to show you what i want my yard to look like no and you would draw like the, the house and the garage and then you draw the pool and then you'd spit in their hand <laughs> for the pool you oh ever did? i do remember yeah, that I don't, one. I don't there was a way that you could convince people to do it but i don't remember what it was but then you'd end up spitting on their hand and they'd be all super oh no upset. it was your fortune let me tell you your fortune oh, that's right and you draw the house. Yeah. yeah that's You're what it was a house with a garage three cars and a pool <laughs> I, I do remember that yeah, now yeah, yeah. yeah okay good. anyways uh should have done it with this pen because then you couldn't wipe it off with bleach you would have been all set <laughs> would have dried exactly. right away uh the pen's length equates to 150 nautical miles on most maps so navy sailors can easily use it to measure distances i like that the bottom part of the barrel is also reportedly the exact length of a two-minute fuse okay so when cutting fuse cord for like yeah. c4 or something yep. well you measure it there's two minutes female sailors have said to use the tip of the pen to make sure their fingernails stay within the one quarter inch regulation according to a 2010 letter to the editor in the military newspaper stars and stripes Okay, so there's, it's for grooming as well. Exactly. And the pens have been present in every single U.S. conflict since Vietnam. And that's where the deadly pen comes from, because you're you're writing before prior action reports, after action reports exactly. with, this, with this pen. And orders to do the actions. Yes. And being used under so many situations of duress, there have been many interesting uses that the pen wasn't designed for. Many of these situations seems like they're right out of the old TV show MacGyver. And truthfully, it's probably the other way around that many of these outlandish things the beloved TV character did was actually inspired by soldiers making use of their skillcraft pens. Sure. For instance, and Chris, I want you to envision the circumstances okay. that would have led to soldiers discovering this use. <laughs> the All spring right. is said to be the perfect replacement for a 30 amp tube style fuse. Oh, okay. 
So you're in your tank, your your fuse blows out of your tank, you take the little spring out of there, you're all you're set. You're good to go. The threads on the head of the pen are the same size and pitch of those used on bulbs of a nuclear submarine's reactor panel. <laughs> I have no idea what that means or what they did with it, but if you're in any situation with a nuclear reactor that requires you to figure out that you're that you're, you need your pen, you're probably having a bad day. Yeah, that's right. Awful. Yeah. Uh, the pen has also been used to plug holes in boats as well as a connection to repair fuel lines. So you take yeah, everything out of it that. in the barrel and yep. get clamp it going. on. Yep. And perhaps for uh, for infamously, and perhaps for infamously, you working on your grammar over there? And perhaps <laughs> most infamously, okay. Okay. there it is. Yeah. I my writing is bad. Yeah. Uh, it has been used in countless emergency tracheotomies. Oh, uh, yes, where you have to stab someone in the neck. I've seen that, that on movies. That is not how you do it, Chris. That is not how you do it. Wait, no, you just go. No, not at all. What do you do? No. Okay, a tracheotomy well, or you, a tracheostotomy. You cut it with a knife first and then you stick the, the okay. stick I'm going to explain it to you because oh. I actually know. Did you a ask tracheotomy? Nikki? No, I have known this because I, yeah, anyways. Have you done a tracheotomy? No, I haven't. Okay, well, that story. A tracheotomy or a trache tracheostomy is a medical procedure in which consists of making an incision on the front base of your throat and opening a direct airway through the incision in the trachea. I used to be a smoker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the purpose, of course, is to continue airflow for someone who has a blocked airway. And as you know, being married to a doctor who was previously a paramedic. I know, as you know, I don't have a doctor. Well, you were alluding like, oh, do you know? Did you ask Nikki? No, but by proxy, I yes. know these things yes. because I held their study for eight years and also have learned a lot of terrible things I never wanted to know. About the human body. Yep. Like what? Give me one. I, I actually blocked most of it. <laughs> it's all purged. It's, <laughs> it's in the memory toilet. Yeah, I do know how to do a tracheotomy though. So... First, you create a vertical incision through the skin at the base of the neck, just yep. above the collarbone here, and then spread the skin apart, revealing the trachea. Ugh. The trachea, or windpipe, actually has ribs of cartilage on it, similar to like a corrugated tubing. So in order to cut easily through it, you perform a second incision horizontally. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to keep the incision open and restore airflow, you need to place a tube in the incision. When you don't have a medical-grade tracheotomy, tracheotomy tube available, say, <laughs> on a battlefield... You disassemble your trusty Skillcraft pen and place it in the opening. So is this, when would you use this? A lot of times if you have an injury to the upper neck area or, or your mouth or something. Collapsed or something. It blocks your airway. Yeah, your, your trachea can be blocked. That's why you do it down here at the base of the trachea. And you're basically just cutting holes. You're having a bad day. You just like, the, just like the, a, a way worse day than the guy trying to fix the nuclear. Well, man. Yeah. If your skin is boiling because there's some sort of nuclear yeah, leak, that's, that's probably yeah. bad too. Also, uh, it's said that there are more emergency tracheotomies have been, have been performed with that pen than in any other device outside of an emergency room. I believe it. And with such an impressive repertoire of uses, it's no wonder that they have garnered a cult following by soldiers and civilians alike. Famed for their no-frills exterior and satisfying clickability in recent years, the pens have begun to garner fans outside of the cloistered halls of government. They've inspired YouTube videos, adoring Pinterest pages, Twitter shoutouts, and even acted as muses to poets. What's the pen that can, like, write upside down like the astronaut pen? Is that Just wait. Okay. That's not this. Okay. Duffel Blog, a satirical military news site, think of, like, The Onion, for soldiers, recently paid tribute to the pen with a headline, quote, meet the Skillcraft pen with 38 career kills, which <laughs> recounts the career-ending document-signing adventures of Rusty the pen. 
Quote, deep inside the bowels of the Pentagon, the most legendary killer in the Department of Defense doesn't hold high rank, hasn't been headhunted by a contractor, and doesn't even demand a parking spot. In <laughs> fact, he lives in a desk drawer, the site said. Beyond this nostalgic factor of uh, their newfound internet fame, the pens remain a source of pride for the workers who produce them. You see, Skillcraft pens are notable for a completely different reason. For the past 50 years, they have been produced by sight-impaired workers under an 80-year-old program dating to the New Deal to employ blind Americans. Still. To this day. Wow. Lynn Larson, who's worked at the Greensboro Industries of the Blind for 40 years, said the job helped her support her family after her father died. More recently, it was a source of pride when her nephew deployed to Afghanistan with the Army. Quote, he would tell the other soldiers that his Aunt Lynn made that pen, and they thought it was really cool, she said. It is really cool. That's awesome. The Greensboro workers earn well above minimum wage and can reach around $24 an hour, said Richard Oliver, the site's director of community outreach and government relations. The benefits go beyond the pay, said Oliver, who is legally blind himself. Quote, we didn't get the opportunity to serve in the military, so this is our way to serve. I like it. The unemployment rate for working age blind Americans is about 70%. Ooh. Overall, national industries for the blind and the various nonprofits that fall under its umbrella employ more than 5,600 people across the country. In addition to the government pen, the company makes scores of other types of pens and other office supplies, such as folders, calendars, dry erase, sure. notes, and staplers. Quote, people who work on this pen have created a career, Oliver said. They've bought homes. They put their kids through college. They lived that American dream, and their job has been to proudly make this pen for our federal government and our people in the military. Do you think they have people that can't smell making the government toilets? I don't think so, because a toilet, when it's manufactured, isn't pooped in. <laughs> That's a great point. Jesus. <laughs> That was the dumbest joke ever. I know, it's pretty bad. I thought I'd throw it out there. In the Penn's heyday, the government bought over 70 million a year. That's what I was going to say, is how many government toilets they need, how many pens they need. I mean, this is, this is a huge... What is the percentage of people that are employed in the United States are employed by the government? It's like some like absurd number, like 30% or something like this. Well, like over some, 70 million if they need that many pens. Uh, over 70 million. Well, if, you have to figure maybe everybody's going to lose at least one. So then there's... Well, this down. is every year. So you get a pen a year. That's all your. It's all your allotment. You like your. Well, it's like a guy walks by with his little cart. Walk down that. It's pending again. Everybody's like, oh, please! I, can't. I, I lost mine like at the beginning of the first quarter. I haven't had a pen this whole time. I've been using my own blood. Oh. So that was back in the heyday. They made seventy million per year. Now the Greensboro, North Carolina plant, and a second in Milwaukee combined to produce about eight million of the flagship retractable ballpoint pens annually, with parts supplied by a third site in Missouri. All three employ visually impaired workers. You can score your own box of these pens too, Chris. The pens retail for $6.87 for a dozen, or about $0.57, 57 cents per pen. I'm going to guess that's more than the government pays. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah they do get a buy millions is, discount. Is, yeah. Exactly. But I just gave you one, so you don't need to pay anything for that one. The story of the Skillcraft pen prompted me to look into another American pen of lore, Chris. Yes. Which I have noted here. Let me see if you've heard this. Obviously, you have. <laughs> During the height of the space race in the 1960s, legend had it, NASA scientists realized that pens could not function in space. They needed to figure out another way for the astronauts to write things down. So they spent years and millions of taxpayer dollars to develop a pen that could put ink into paper without gravity. 
However, the story goes, their crafty Soviet counterparts simply used pencils. <laughs> yeah, Have you heard this? No. You haven't heard that? It's like, no. oh, the Americans spent millions of dollars on developing this pen. You know why? It's because the Soviets just make a bunch of fucking mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Americans don't make mistakes, no, Jake. So that's, that's usually the joke or the story about, usually it's to say how bureaucracy is so dumb yeah. and you just need to use counter common sense. Yeah. It's like we spend all this money and effort developing this pen the when Soviet the Soviets just use a pencil. Yeah. That's the tale is a message of simplicity and thrift, blah blah blah, and it's completely false. Oh really? Okay. Yes. It is just a myth. What do the Soviets use? Uh well, originally NASA astronauts like the Soviet cosmonauts used pencils. Yeah. According to NASA historian. In fact, NASA ordered 34 mechanical pencils from Houston's TICAM Engineering Manufacturing Incorporated in 1965. My 88-year-old grandpa still carries a mechanical pencil. That's what these were. In, in his little pocket protector. I bet he didn't pay this much for his. Uh, I'm going to guess no. They paid $4,382.50 for a bundle, which came out to $130 per pencil. Oof, wow. Okay. When these prices became public, there was an outcry, and NASA scrambled to find something cheaper for the astronauts to use. Some of me thinks that they were padding the books with this a little bit to fund other projects. I don't know. Uh, pencils, turns out, weren't the best choice anyways. The tips would flake off and break, drifting in microgravity where they could potentially harm an astronaut or get into equipment. And pencils are flammable. Equality NASA wanted to avoid in onboard objects after the Apollo 1 fire. So the best mechanical pencil that money can buy, because I, I know this because I, I've bought a couple for my grandpa for Father's Day. Okay. And they're kind of expensive. I think they're like $25 a piece. Yeah. But it's the AutoPoint mm. mechanical pencil. They're super cool. They look like they were designed in the 60s because they probably were. <laughs> and they're just awesome. They feel good. They click Is there right. anything special about them? They're just really well made. Okay. They just, they're just really well made. Yeah. So if you ever want a nice gift, a nice auto point mechanical <clears throat> pencil is a kind of a cool little gift. I like it. So NASA was off to develop a pen, right? Paul C. Fisher and his company, the Fisher Pen Company, reportedly invested a million dollars to create what is now commonly known as the space pen. None of this investment money came from NASA itself, though. The agency only became involved after the pen was dreamed into existence, developed, and designed. In 1965, Fisher patented a pen that could write upside down in frigid or roasting conditions, down to minus 50 degrees Fahrenheit or over 400 degrees Fahrenheit, and even underwater or in other liquid. If too hot, though, the ink turned green instead of blue. Just something with the chemical makeup of the pen. So you could see, you could be like, oh, it was quite, it's quite well. 400 degrees in here. <laughs> yeah. I think you would know that otherwise, but yes. Uh, that same year, Fisher offered the AG7 anti-gravity space pen to NASA. I just sent you the, uh, a vintage 1920s cloudy green auto point mechanical pencil with gold filled fittings. Gold what? filled fittings. That's what it says. $52 with an hour left on the auction. Look how cool that pencil is. I'm going to send you something cooler as I talk about this pen. All right. Sounds good. This pen is so sweet. It looks like some sort of opalescent milky. Well, that mechanical pencil. I like this pen better. Yeah. Well, I've, yeah, I've seen these. These are really, really neat. Yeah. yeah. They look cool. Super 60s retro. Exactly. Now I'm trying to find my spot. In 60 my notes. bucks? Woo! Yeah, they're not cheap. Yeah. <clears throat> so what does the, you, you click it down once, what's the button on the side do? Do you know? No. 
But, okay. <laughs> I think it's a release. So instead yeah. of just doing a double click. Yep. Uh, Why not complicate it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Anti-gravity pen. Okay, here it is. Because of their earlier mechanical pen fin pencil fiasco, NASA was hesitant to basically sign a contract with these guys. But after testing the space pen intensively, the agency decided to use it on space flights beginning in 1967. Now, Chris, unlike most ballpoint pens, Fisher's pen does not rely on gravity to get ink flowing. The cartridge is instead pressurized with a separate nitrogen canister at 35 psi. This pressure pushes the ink towards all the tungsten carboid. It fails, yes. it explodes all over the place. <laughs> this pressure pushes the ink towards the tungsten carbide ball at the pen's tip. The ink too differs from that of other pens. Fisher used ink that stays in a gel-like solid until the movement of the ballpoint turns it into a liquid. The pressurized nitrogen also prevents air from mixing with the ink, so it cannot evaporate or oxide over time. So that tungsten ball has to be machined quite well to fit I in there because it can't. It's not going to let any of the pressure out or exactly. the ink out. Exactly. I yeah, it's kind of nice be, tolerances. There. Exactly. According to an Associated Press report from February of 1968, NASA ordered 400 of Fisher's anti-gravity ballpoint pens for the Apollo program. A year later the Soviet Union ordered 100 pens and 1,000 ink cartridges to use on their Soyuz space mission, says the U.S. press. Did Which, we, here's we what should, I don't understand. This was like, no. This is right in the middle of the Cold War, not to mention the space race. How, how more, much more could you hurt the Soviets by not letting them write shit down while they were in right? space? <laughs> <laughs> no, use your stupid pencil. <laughs> I don't know why we're French all of a sudden. <laughs> Regardless, the AP later noted that both NASA and the Soviet Space Agency received the same 40% discount for buying their pens in bulk. They even gave the Soviets a discount! Oh, well, that makes sense. <sighs> the space pen's mark on the Apollo program was not limited to facilitating writing in microgravity. According to the Fisher Space Pen Company, the Apollo 11 astronauts used the pen to fix a broken arming switch, enabling the return to Earth. Since the late 1960s, American astronauts and Russian cosmonauts have all used Fisher pens. Still, to this day, to they this have the day. Fisher space pen. In fact, Fisher has created a whole line of space pens. Oh, I bet they have. A newer pen called the Shuttle Pen was used on NASA's space shuttles and on the Russian space station Mir. Of course, you can still buy the Fisher space pen, as I sent Chris the link to. Uh, they're on Amazon. Oh, and the, the Shuttle Pen is cheaper. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't like the shuttle pen as much. It does. It's got kind of like a, no, no, the shape of it's not as nice. No, nope. I like the original AG7 or whatever it's called. Yep, this one's not 60 as good. 60 bucks, spendy for a pen, especially when you consider that skill craft I gave you is just 57 cents. And as long as you're not in space. It will do everything will you do need. It will do just fine. So they have a matte black ones. I'm looking at all the, the Fisher space pens. Um, so I have a, a, what is it called? A Kubicon? Kubaton, Kubaton pen. Yeah, where it's it's just it looks like a pen, but, but when it's you just a, a striking. It's just instrument. like a striking instrument. Like the cap is the top where your thumb would go. Yeah, is flat. Yeah, so you can use it for force and just it, I it gets it goes on planes with me all the time. Yeah, I I have a very sturdy pen that I also use with that thought. Yeah, in yeah mind. this one is it's it's uh, I'm surprised nobody's ever checked it out at the airport yet because it says Smith and Wesson on it. <laughs> but I guess the X-rays can't minute. see that. What I always do is I always unscrew it and I put the cap on backwards. So then you can't it just looks like a pen when it's going I through the gotcha. X because it's steel, it's solid steel. Yeah. That thing I think it could do some serious damage. I'm sure it could. Which is what it's for. 
You know, yes. it's one of those things that you just like to have around. It's always in my backpack. Not as storied, though, as the Skillcraft or a G7. That is very true. Thank you, Jake. I think we need to get back to doing these a little more often. It was Agreed. fun. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to give us a call on the voicemail, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any show ideas, throw them out. If you uh, just have commentary on any of our episodes, we'll play it on the regular episode. If you want thousands of people to, uh, for me to tell you, you're probably wrong. <laughs> if, if, you, if you would like that, that would be, that would be great. Again, thank you guys. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Take care.